This is the Sweet Bites with Sandra podcast. Do you know what your brand's signature style is? Well, I got you covered. Take the 60 second style quiz on our website at collegeofstyle.com forward slash style dash quiz. Once you're done, you'll get a breakdown of who your style icon is, a very cool discount code on working with me and College of Style to help bring out what your signature style is and make it work for you. So visit our website today at collegeofstyle.com forward slash style dash quiz to take the quiz now. You're listening to Sweet Bites with Sandra with your host, Dr. Sandra Colton Medici. Follow on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter at Dr. Sandra Colton Medici. You can listen to select episodes of the podcast live on Fireside and learn about upcoming course announcements, coaching programs, working one-on-one with Sandra, and new template releases by visiting collegeofstyle.com. Find digital marketing strategies and social media updates on Sandra's Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash College of Style. Join Sandra on TikTok, Pinterest, and Twitter at College of Style and subscribe today to Sandra's newsletter. It's called Link in Bio and you can find it on LinkedIn to learn more about links that make you click. This is your personal invitation to join Sandra's community at collegeofstylecommunity.com today. Hi, I'm Sandra, and I'd like to invite you to subscribe and listen to my new podcast, Sweet Pipes with Sandra. Satisfy your entrepreneurial sweet tooth in each episode full of digital business tips, inspiring interviews, asides from my entertainment career, and rewards to celebrate your sweet success. Find Sweet Bites with Sandra on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Thank you so much for joining me on episode 72 of the Sweet Bites with Sandra podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sandra Coltimedici, and you are in for a very special treat this episode. I have an amazing interview with Roshonda Pratt. She is the Roe Show, a storyteller strategist, live stream expert, speaker, and television news producer, and I cannot wait for you to hear the interview. So stay tuned. I'm so excited to announce that the Style to the Nines group coaching program will open the beta group on May 1st. Yes, May 1st. Sign up for my newsletter at collegeofstyle.com forward slash newsletter to get first access to the program at a significantly discounted investment of $300 for the six-week program. It has been created to give you design plus strategy instruction to build, nurture, and grow your social media presence. The program begins the week of June 1st, so sign up right now for the newsletter to get first access to Styled to the Nines. I wanted to let you know a very special announcement. So on April 4th, College of Style will have its first on amp radio show. And that means we are bringing something straight to you. It's called Brand Beat, where I am going to be dishing up brand tips and hot hits. Yes, it is going to go live on AMP, the app that is by Amazon that I told you about a few episodes ago, and I am so excited. So definitely look at the show notes for the dates and times of all of the upcoming Brand Beat shows live on AMP. Welcome to the Sweet Bites of Center podcast. My name is Dr. Sandra Colton-Medici, and I am joined today by Roshonda E. Pratt. She is the go-to for 
being known visually. And I say that because she has a TV background and if you went from TV to streaming, you still need to show up visual, excuse me, visually. And she is a visibility expert and so much more. Thank you for joining me. I'm so glad to be here. I'm excited to be here. Yes, well, so tell me a little bit about your background because a lot of times when people think about television, there's so many different kind of genres of TV. So what aspect and area were you working in as far as TV and TV production? And how did you get all this expertise in, in showing up visibly, visibly like fully, not just like halfway, <laughs> half-assed, but like really 150% uh, as an authentic you? So it started in the fourth grade. I often tell people that I've been a journalist since the fourth grade. My West Indian father, my parents are from the beautiful country of Trinidad and Tobago. Shout out to all the Trinis. And uh, he told me as a fourth grader that it's my responsibility and duty to know what's going on in my country and my community. So while my friends were watching the Smurfs, I'm totally dating myself here. The Smurfs and Jim, truly outrageous. <laughs> I was watching Tom Brokaw and Peter Jennings. So I grew up with those guys. And I fell in love with storytelling. I fell in love with teaching people about what's going on in their community in sound bites and pieces. I didn't know it was journalism then. Um, I wanted to be a writer. And when I got into high school, one of my uh, high school friends, Aaron Green said to me, hey, you like to talk. We have a campus style newspaper show. Would you like to be a reporter for the show? And I was like, yeah, I do like to talk because I'm the kid who has the progress report card, great student, you know the rest, just talks a lot. <laughs> and I started this journey of realizing that you can have a career and work in television news. So I got my first TV job, my first real t paying TV job while I was a senior at Winthrop University, go Eagles, and started my journey then. And I tell people that first TV station, which was right next door to NBC, the news channel, so this was a pretty busy newsroom. We covered news in both North Carolina, South Carolina, and really around the world because we were the hub right next to the NBC News Channel. It was baptism by fire because everything that could have went wrong in the world those first four years did. 9-11, the war on terror, Strong Thurmond, who was a well-known senator across the country died. Dale Earnhardt Sr. died at Lowe's Motor Speedway. Like everything that happened in the world happened that first four years at my first TV station. So I learned the art of storytelling and I learned that pictures and words together make the perfect marriage and just started my journey then. And from there and transitioned into doing this thing called live video while I was a C, at that time I was working at a CBS station and I was the executive morning show producer. And I saw them talk about this new thing called Periscope. And I said, oh, I'll do it. And the rest is history. Well, so Periscope mentioning this just, yeah. well, I mean, it kind of went down, but then Twitter yeah. kind of resurrected a little bit of that. Um, most recently there, you know, it's so funny because when I use Twitter sometimes and I'll do video through kind of like that live streaming through like StreamYard, I'll see it and then I'll see some older ones and it'll say Periscope on there. And I'm like, is it still, but it's not, but it's still right. So yeah, like you, you mentioned in the digital streets, you're known as the Rose Show Live. So I wanted to talk about 
how that mon that, that like that like that nickname or I don't know if you gave it to yourself or how that came up. It's a nickname. So the Rose Show Live is a nickname I've gotten at every television station I've worked at. They didn't know that the previous station told me that. And it started with a friend who used to call me like the local Oprah. And she started calling me the Rose Show Live. And from then, it just kind of morphed into people saying, hey, get it? You're getting ready to, as a TV producer, you're the person that's writing the news and talking to reporters and helping with breaking news. And so one of my EPs, executive producers, one time said, get it? You're going to go do the Rose Show. And it just stuck. And when I showed up on Periscope, which was funny, people started calling me that without even knowing that was a TV nickname. They just started calling me the Rose Show. It's the Rose Show. Get it? And I just added live to it. And I just said, you're right. It's the Rose Show Live. Yeah. Well, so when you think about some of the common things that you hear from different people that you work with, um, whether it's clients or things that you're seeing people do, and you're like, mm, that is a mistake. And it's kind of yes. like that number one mistake. What would you say that is? The number one mistake is, which just grinds my gears, is when people start a live video, they're still waiting for people to join. Just stop it. Just tell your friend, because I know it's not you that's listening to this. Just tell your friend, the Rose Show Live said, don't do that. First of all, there's a couple of reasons why not to do that. Number one, the reason why you don't want to start and stopping. And it looks like this, Sandra. It looks like when you get on there and you say, hey, I got something really exciting to share with you today. Or you tell people what the topic is and then you say this dreaded line. But I'm just going to wait for a couple more people to join before I get started. Number one, it's a waste of time and it's killer for the replay audience because the replay now has to scrub through that or people are just like, you're not ready. I'm moving on. Number two, it alienates the people who did join, the people who are, whether it's one person or two people, they're like, what am I, chop liver? I came on time. Why am I being penalized, right? Number three, it's really amateur. When live videos first started about six or seven years ago, people were a little bit more lenient in giving you a little bit more grace because, oh, we're just all figuring out this thing. But live video has transcended beyond Periscope. Now you have Facebook Live. Now you can use third-party apps like StreamYard. So people now are kind of like, this is what it's supposed to look like, and you're not doing it. So they scroll. And then here's the fourth thing, if you need another reason. Your favorite show doesn't wait for you to show up. Your favorite show, you know, I love to use the Wheel of Fortune analogy. Wheel of Fortune starts at 7.30. Vanna's not saying, oh, wait a second. I can't reveal the letters yet. Sandra's not here. Everybody just wait. We're going to wait for Sandra. No, they're just going to go and you're either going to catch it in replay or you just missed the show. So we have to make sure that we're not pulling that amateur move because it's just not cool. It isn't cool. And it's so funny because I actually, I talked about this the other day of developing your pre-show. If you don't want to start on time, then developing a pre-show is important mm -hmm. so that you're not ignoring those people who do show up on time. And I've been in the Correct. audience some of like really big conferences and they're like, you know, the pre-show for them is video, right? Of right, like maybe right. video countdown, a video montage, you know, even Facebook when they have kind of like some of their small business gatherings, they're doing video before and that's their pre-show. And it's not, Correct. it doesn't make me feel bad because I showed up on time and they went not direct into, you know, live talking. They mm -hmm. go into this pre-show 
which is their version of we're going to wait for people to show up, right? So smart. And, right? And it is smart. And it's one of those things where I'm just like, that makes sense because they know people are late. They know that yeah. people just got the, the reminder email or whatever it is, and mm -hmm. they're doing something to keep people watching, right? Yeah. Because if, if you're not going to start, well, you need to do something, right? And it's not, Correct. and it's not the, right? Or staring at the screen, fixing your hair, putting on lipstick. I often tell people it's something as simple as setting the tone of the broadcast. What can people expect? saying hello to a couple of people who are there. Or here's another thing, make some church announcements. That's what I call them, church announcements, where you're going through, hey, I just wanna make sure you guys share this, follow me here, join my text community, blah, 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 blah. Make some announcements. And that's a way that you can, quote, stall as you're waiting more people to join. But in this day and age, you only have a few, a few seconds and people are just not gonna give it to you. If you are not just looking at this as, I am participating and building my media, you're going to miss opportunities. Yes, and you mentioned media, and I I wanted to talk about this, and I don't even think I sent you this question, but when I was, I was watching on TikTok this morning, so in the mornings, I scroll through my feed on TikTok, and I wanted to know, you know, like I look at what my For You page is because I wanna know what the algorithm thinks I need to be seeing, right? And mm. one of them was talking about user uh, experience, UX design, right? And how different interfaces have changed over time based on heat maps and how, you know, research has basically said, you know, um, people are clicking on the bottom of the screen more than the top of the screen. And this particular user was talking about Instagram changing its interface most recently to having the create button on the top right instead of the bottom. And instead of on the bottom now, it's just a play button, right? And I thought about this because content creators are now being labeled this kind of thing. Influencers kind of fall into that a little bit because, you know, they're creating, but they're not, they're more influential than, than just creating the content. But what I thought about in just the UX design of it all is when you said media, content creators are media hubs. They are now, when you, when you really think about it, they are just as fully fledged as some of these New York times, you know, putting out yeah. 500 articles a day, right? They're pushing that content. So when you think about someone who's showing up visually or being their 100% authentic self online and actually communicating and connecting with somebody online, are like, are we supposed to now, cause we've changed from this, like I'm a creator to I'm a business owner, but are we not just a business owner, but more of like a media conglomerate, like the row show or like yes. how should we be thinking of ourselves? Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I've been telling people for the last year and a half that social media is really not about being social. I think when social media first started, it was about that. But what we have is the smartphone is the new remote control. And when I worked at my last CBS station, my news director said this, that was just so revolutionary to me. She said, Rashonda, we wanna win people on the big screen and the small screen. In fact, I want us to change our whole mindset that we are a digital platform first, we just happen to have a news show that's on TV. Wait, what? And when I start looking at some of these terms, you talk about user design and how things have changed, just even the language, you know, things like audience, and demographics and broadcast. These are all terms 
that I grew up or learned in television news. When you look at a reel or a TikTok that's 15 or 30 seconds in length, that's the length of a voiceover on your local news. It's 30 seconds. The sound bite that you see on air is 30 seconds. So what you're producing is really your own version. I mean, think about YouTube, it's called a channel. What you're producing, ladies and gentlemen, is your own media network. I don't even like to use the phrase content creator because what I am is a content producer. I'm looking at my feed and I'm getting up in the morning or even when I'm creating content, I'm thinking about what is it that people need to know from me? What is it that they need to know to make their life or their business or their visibility, whatever your niche is, better? That's what I did many years as a television news producer. I'm reading the trending topics and guess what? Or the trending sounds. And I'm using that to teach something. That's exactly what we did in television. So people really need to lean into what you're creating is your own network, whether it's a local version of an NBC, PBS, CBS, ABC, what have you. That's really what we're doing. Yeah. And it reminds me also a little bit of radio, right? Because those, yes. those little small commercials, you know, that, that basically are the transition are getting you from point A to point B and you don't think about it in the moment, right? It's right. just a transition. And it reminded me of something that I'm going to start doing on my TikTok channel, which is having a little bit of like a five second, seven second logo that with a little background music that says, you know, college of style or whatever, so that people know where they're at because you get so into the video. That's a good after, idea. After video. Exactly. I'm hoping. Can I like, use that idea? Is that, is, that, is that open and free for us to use? Yes. And so I'm going to start using that every few videos so that people remember where they're at. Because, you know, at the end of so videos, good. when you show up, it's, you know, go to my page, you know, whatever the call to action is, right? And, yeah. and so you're not always saying that. And I think a lot of, there's a lot of bigger creators that have like a little smack logo at the very end of every video, which is really, mm -hmm. it's smart, but it's kind of repetitive and it kind of looks a little cookie cutter. And so yeah. I kind of feel like that, having that just a small video that splices in the middle of every four to five videos so that people know where they're at because you are on your own network, right? I love that, Sandra. And here's why I'm just so geeked about that. And I'm gonna use that. Here's why I'm so geeked about this because again, see, you're a producer, right? That's exactly what we used to do in TV. We used to flash the logo, roll the animation, and the anchor wouldn't necessarily say it, but it used to be a thing of, we would remind people what they were watching. In fact, we had a rule at one of the stations I worked with that we would hit things at certain, especially in your metered market, you would hit things on the 15th. So every time we would hit things, certain things on the 15th, we would remind people what they're watching. So if, before we toss to the weather guy, you know, you're watching NBC6, live here uh, from blah, 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 reminding people, because here's the thing, we know people are just channel surfing. And if we're taking the same thought that I just gave that the smartphone is the new remote control, people are just scrolling and sometimes they don't know where they land. So I love that idea, really smart. Yeah. It reminds me of, you know, and this is the, the, the classic one, but I'm forgetting his names right now, is it James Earl Jones that says, this is CNN, right? Yes. That. I think it was Bernard Shaw. I'm getting all the feels. I think it was Bernard Shaw, but I know is the it, voice. It, I'm getting all the feels. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where it just, it just pulls you yeah. right back to a center, right? Well, so right. you mentor people and you mm-hmm. coach people on how to be more visible and how to be more present online. What does that process look like? If someone were to come to you and say, I want to work with you, what does that process look like? First of all, I've learned, um, we have a mantra in our company called visibility is power. You deserve to be seen, heard, and paid. And what I've learned in really cultivating this message over the last five, five to six years is that visibility is an inside job. And the reason why people can't show up fully as themselves or the reason why people lack camera confidence really goes back to what's going on on the inside of here. So one of the things that we have made a point to do is even in this process of helping people hit the go live button or create their first TikTok or reel, we have to go back on the inside. We have to go to what is preventing you from showing up consistently. It's the number one question I get asked all the time. Ro, I need help showing up consistently. And I often say, well, what's getting in the way? Oh, you know, I just don't have time or I'm overwhelmed. No, 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 no. What's really getting in the way? So one of the things that we do is we start that first process, you know, digging deep, right? Going on the inside. And then after that, we go into unveiling what is your visibility plan? What is it that you want to do with live video? I turn away clients, Sandra, who they, they weren't the popular kid and they want to use social media now to jumpstart their popularity. I, I don't work with people who don't want to really have an authentic message. They just want to go viral and they want to be the next cool thing. I want to work with people who want to make impact, who want to use their influence to make their corner of the internet better. So it's learning how to really tap into your genius, your secret sauce. And that's one of the things that we help to uncover people is, hey, what's your secret sauce? What's your zone of genius that people need and they're looking for? And then we get into, okay, now how can you use live video to do that? When people, because there's so many different aspects of live video. So I I feel like there's, there's so many that people get a little overwhelmed at how many there are Mm -hmm. and which they should choose first. And so is it, is it more of just dabble in a few and see which one, you know, your audience kind of gravitates to you on? Or how do you counsel people on where to go first? That's a really great question. Sometimes when people come to the table, it's like they've already started or they know that I have some people here on Facebook or IG, or I want to get into doing more over on TikTok or whatever that may look like, right? So they start to gravitate they kind of already have an idea. But one of the things I tell people is, okay, where is it that you want to start? Where do you believe your people are? And then start showing up consistently there. Now, if you're doing it consistently, which again, consistency looks like what you're able to do. I'm never the person, I I actually got away from this. I used to tell people, you know, you got to show up three times a week and blah, blah, blah. But what I realized, I'm a mom of three. Sometimes that's not possible. I have a four-year-old whose nickname is Baby Show. And Baby Show sometimes just doesn't let it happen for the row show. So we have to say, okay, what's doable for my life? And if my life is I can commit to one day a week and I get another live video in, hey, that's gravy. So what can you do consistently? And if you are doing that and it's still like, okay, crickets over there, or I'm not building the type of audience, sometimes you got to 
scrap it, start all over again, or maybe transition to another platform. We've been really dabbling more in uh, YouTube Live, and I'm going to be very transparent. One of the reasons why, because one of our staff members asked, like, okay, why are we kind of going over into YouTube? Are we leaving Facebook behind? I said, I'm not leading with Facebook anymore because Facebook has had a lot of changes over the years. And I'm just tired of fighting the algorithm over there. I'm tired of fighting to pay to play. And you know, all the things that a lot of us business owners talk about over on Facebook. I don't want to leave it because it's been good to me. It's helped me start this thing. But at the same time, I can't lead with that anymore. So we have to have those kind of conversations too when it comes to your live video. Because before I used to tell people, hey, start on Facebook. But now it's like, mm, if you're going to do Facebook, you also need to be on another platform as well simultaneously. When you said pay to play, it's yes. no joke and and it has changed it has been evolving and it's just it the amount of changes that have kind of come up for facebook and when you mentioned not leaning or not leading with facebook you know a lot of people that i like i had my um my facebook group on there mm -hmm. for since may and i closed it down two months ago and it had over 800 people and i was like yeah i'm good i'm really good most of the people wow. that so in my group, I have their email. I send out emails to them anyway. But after Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp all went down, I thought, you know what? It could happen again. And what if that day that it had gone down, I was doing a challenge that started on that yes. day, right? And I missed an entire day of, you know, going live or whatever. But it reminded me to ask you this question because I forgot to ask this um, in our email correspondence is when people go live, and there's an mm -hmm. option for, let's say I use StreamYard or, or Ecamm or yeah. whatever the live streaming options are, they have now introduced something um, where you can go live with a pre-recorded video. So how yeah. do you feel about people who say they're going live, but really they're not live in real time? How do you feel about that? That's such a good question. And you are totally putting me on the spot here because... <laughs> You know, okay. All right. So back in the day, I used to be a stickler about this. And it's definitely technology has evolved. So back in the day, there used to be, like I think when BeLive first came on the scene, it used to be able to allow you to kind of cheat a little bit with saying you were live, but you weren't really live. And I used to be like, oh, people are lying to people and it's unethical. Then I started thinking about, well, Rashonda, we did this in television news all the time. We would call them look lives. And what a look live is, and you've seen this, you probably just didn't know it. A look live is a canned live shot. So it's a reporter live on the scene, and maybe for whatever reason, they cannot be live for the show, for whatever reason. I'll give you a perfect example. I'll have a reporter, and they are live on one story, but breaking news happens, and I have to shift them, but I still have to tell that story. So what I would tell them is, shoot a look live. And so it's live to tape, which means there's no editing, we're doing it as if it was live. It's the same thing. So I have matured in my thoughts and also level of grace that I don't see anything wrong with that. I actually think for some people, it's really good in building your engagement. Here's why. Because you're able to watch the show with people and then you're able to engage with them in real time in the comment section. So I think it can be cool as well. How you yeah. use it. I, I agree. I just wanted to know your take on it. Let me yeah. just tell you, when I found that feature, I was like, hmm, is that showing up for people or is it 
lazy, right? And there, and you can see both sides of the coin, right? For sure, um, for sure. I I am with you here on the TV side of things. Is when we um, uh, shot So You Think You Can Dance, we were months ahead of when it was actually going to shoot or have it, I should say. And so it was live to tape, but it was literally like down to the second. Like they filmed it as if it was live. Like there were commercial breaks. They came back. Yep. You know the same kind of cadence and and it reminds me of that and I and then they sequestered us while you know while, while we were waiting for the, it to actually air um so there are things like that that are happening right now that you have no idea as far as like audience wise yeah. but it reminds me of all the things that you know that you kind of put into a book that you are very humble about and you don't talk about and I pulled it up it's called oh, CEO of Live Video. It is a number one bestseller, and I had to bring it up because I've talked to you tons of times on TikTok, and you have not once mentioned that you have a number one best-selling book called CEO of Live Video. And yes, I think that's gonna be my TikTok for today. Go ahead and write that one down. <laughs> <laughs> so tell people what it's about and how, I mean, obviously you can go to Amazon and get your copy and, and it has great reviews by the way, but I want people to know how they can grab their copy and what made you write a book? You know, um, it was a dare. I was seven or eight months pregnant with Baby Show, which sidebar, Baby Show has a funny story. We called her Baby Show because my husband didn't want her real name on the internet. So she's the mini me. So we call her Baby Show, I'm the Rose Show. Baby Show was a hernia. So I was on meds for a hernia. I did not know I was pregnant. True story. Had no idea. And I was on meds for a hernia and discovered that this hernia grew feet, toes, legs, and this was a whole baby. And not only a whole baby, but I was also 12 weeks pregnant when I found out. That's really pregnant, pregnant people. So a friend was talking to me about my expertise and I was training and teaching people about live video. And honestly, even trying to get my TV station to start doing live video. It was an uphill battle, those beginning years of live video, because a lot of TV stations were not embracing. They were just like, why? We're always streaming on a website. They didn't get the social media thing. They didn't get it at all. And a friend of mine challenged me and said, you, you need to write a book about this. And I'm like, girl, I'm having Braxton Hicks and this baby is coming. She's like, oh, you can do it. And I said, I can do what? And she's like, you can do this. We can do this before the baby comes. I wrote that book in 30 days because I was like, okay, I'm already up at 2 a.m. At this time, I was on getting ready to go into maternity leave. So I joked to people, you know, I birth babies and bestsellers. And I wrote that book because people just will always ask the same questions. And I just want to give people an idea that it's doable. I think that's the thing that's really my heart with my brand is that this is doable. You don't have to overthink this. I have a friend um, named Carrie Shear. I like, he has a switcher in the studio. He has all the bells and whistles job. It's, it's a whole production. But if you don't want to have all that technology, I mean, I've grown a brand, Sandra, seriously, with an iPhone and iMac computer. And let me just put this in perspective. An Amazon bestseller in 30 days, international speaker, spoke in Paris, France, teaching Parisian women how to tell their story, okay? Spoke at the number one government, government social media conference twice. Did my first statewide commercial. They found me through a Facebook profile picture and then went and watched one of my live videos and said, we want her for our commercial. 
which that commercial just won two marketing awards. I'm just saying, I don't have a switcher. I didn't even have this fancy backdrop. If you go back and look at my beginning pictures, but the beginning videos, but this is what I did have. I had a message in my heart that I knew people needed to hear. And I, I refused to remain silent. My visibility is power and I refuse. I no longer had the right to remain silent. So I wrote that book for the people who are the misfits, the people who were laughed at. I was laughed at by some of my colleagues in television media doing live video. Doesn't Ro know this is a fad? What is she doing? But what happened? What happened? Best revenge. And some of those same people had to come and contact me, had to go buy my book to see how, how do we engage with this live video? What ring light am I supposed to get, Ro? And so I just wrote that book for the person who wanted to know that it's possible and doable. And you can build a studio, what we have right now, in our downstairs living room is our studio. I mean, it is doable. And I think that there's so many people who have the thought that it's too late. And I, it is so not too late for people it's to not. start. Um, especially since we now know that people who have been like myself, self-quarantining <laughs> even after <laughs> lockdown ended, yeah. that it's not like this whole process of showing up online is not going away. You it can literally like see with the metaverse kind of coming into the actual vocabulary of many people with web 3.0 and things like that, that we are not going back. Mm -hmm. We are moving forward. Maybe forward. the the capitalism, the, you know, the, the finances of it all are shifting, but the content and the production and the people who are going to be faces of the new era of this post pandemic are the people who are consistent, right? It's yeah. the people who are consistently showing up. And what you said is consistency is what you can do. And if that's one time a week, then that's one time a week and people For know sure up to your show on that day in 2022 what are some of the changes that you find that you yeah. think happen on social media that will change the landscape for business owners before i answer that question i want to add a little bit more to what you just said it's not too late to get started and here's why it's not too late because if we look at the progression of this live video and just visibility and showing up online with our faces and not just posts, is remember this whole live video process started with an app called Periscope that's no longer in existence. It then went to Facebook, IG, et cetera. And now when you reach a thousand followers on TikTok, you have the capabilities of going live. Look, we're in this app going live. So this thing is gonna continue to progress into other spaces. Um, it's been said in the next 10 years that Facebook wants to be a total virtual reality platform and all video driven. We see that it's moving in that direction. So I, I don't want you to feel like anybody who's listening, I'm late. I wasn't an early adopter. Well, being an early adopter on these platforms now, right? You can still have an opportunity to get started. And with that being said, what I see happening in 2022 is people really owning their own stories. I'm gonna use this example to make this point. I think it's really interesting that when Jada Pinkett Smith started the Red Table Talk, she did it on Facebook in her living room. Now, if you know the history of Jada and Will, they were executive producers for many years. They actually were the executive producers of Queen Latifah's show, which was on a network. What did she do? She understood, no, people's TV watching or how they get information has changed. 
and it shrinks down the cost, literally. It's in her house. She pulls out a red table. Boom, bam, you're done, right? So I think what's going to happen in 2022 is people are going to really lean into the storytelling and really lean into telling their own narrative, their own way on their own platform. And we are going to see more mini talk show hosts, more mini, I like to call them, especially those who work in multi-level marketing, mini QVCs, mini home shopping networks. We are going to see the narrative, you ready for this? Return back to the people. I no longer have to wait for someone else. I do it myself. And really the narrative being shifted back to uh, the producer of the content. And I feel like so many times when we talk about business owners that it's really hard for business owners to grasp the concept of this new era of like cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and, and metaverse yeah. reality and virtual live scenarios and all this stuff. And then if you really break it down, it's kind of like it's been there all along. If people remember gaming, if people just pull it back to video games, you'll go, oh, people have been, you know, putting on Oculus and headsets for years. It's no yes. in that. I think the process is how, you know, people are trying to build small businesses all the time. And that's hard enough, right? Then to build it in a world that people don't understand. So when you think about showing up visibly mm -hmm. in this world, and then trying to transition that into augmented reality. How does one even parse that when they're just trying to show up here and, and then be like, oh, but now I have to show up in this place that I don't even know how it exists. Yeah. You know, I think one of the things that that's helped me, you know, I never wanted to be on TikTok. And now I'm like, gosh, I'm glad I did because I would have met great people like you. I, I didn't want to be on TikTok because I thought that was for, you know, my 14-year-old daughter, and I just didn't see a place or a space for me there. And I think what we have to do is what TikTok has taught me is we have to be open to innovation. We have to be open to learning and trying it and seeing, does this fit for what I'm building? Does this fit from where I'm going? And now, I mean, don't tell Instagram, but I hang out over on TikTok a whole lot more than I do on IG. And it's been within the first couple of months of being on there, invited to speak on a, a conference in the UK, meeting you and on your podcast. I mean, the possibilities are endless, but if I wasn't willing to embrace the new, and sometimes doing new things can be scary, right? especially with technology. If I wasn't willing to do that, I would have missed opportunities like this. So I think what we have to be willing to do is be open to technology, open to exploring it and getting some information and having great genius people like yourself to teach us what is this thing and what's the metaverse and am I gonna get swallowed into a hole in the metaverse? Right, I mean, it's crazy, but I, I know that there are some things that um, you've done in the past with television, I mean, you, I, if you go to her website, and I'm just going to say, just rattle off a few of the logos that she's got on there, like the talk, um, having to post, like she's been there, done that people. So just know that she is the voice of this um, generation of doers, I would say, for people who are trying to show up. And I know that there's a lot of times when I talk about like what's next for people, but what's the now for you before the next? And then you can talk about your next. <laughs> Well, Sandra, Jesus, that's a great question. And I'm trying my best not to cry um, because this is just very fresh and new. So what's the now? 
the now is I'm finishing up my inside work because that's what I spent the last 20 months doing and getting really comfortable with going deeper with people and helping them discover their own visibility. And really the work that I do is really introduce people to themselves. <laughs> like to, to, here, I'm introducing you to yourself. I didn't know that I, I see myself now for the first time. And so that's really though I'm getting comfortable with that's what I do. I introduce people to themselves. And then the next is, which I'm really excited, is really leaning into our company is Rep Network. And for years, I did not like that name. Just going to be honest, I did not like that name. It was a God name. He gave it to me. I wasn't interested in it. I was like, I don't like this name. But I think for the first time, I realized in even some of the projects that we've done, we've worked with Boeing, the Kellogg Foundation. We've helped brands and entrepreneurs launch TV shows and broadcasts. I realized that the network really is me helping other people create their networks to create their TV show and even looking at creating more shows and programming that doesn't have me as the face. So this year, I'm actually looking at working more with other talent to say, hey, you have something really special and dynamic. We need to get that on the screen. So that's what I'm leaning into. And I'm excited about it. I'm leaning into becoming the executive producer again. Yes. Well, you mentioned something that brings up a question that I didn't tell you I was going to ask you either. Is yes. I get a lot of emails from people like um, streaming networks that you see like on Roku and um, right. you know, binge networks or, you know, all these different people asking me if I want to take my content and create a channel on you know, streaming network, right? And so mm -hmm. as an executive producer and as business owners start to create more and more content, more live content, whether it's interview-based or the, just them selling live, which is a big thing now, whether it's on Amazon Live or, you know, all these different yeah. uh, live shopping features. What do you advise people to do once they have this, like this amount, this body of work, do they yeah. then, decide to package it up in a nice pretty bow and say, well, now my channel isn't going to be necessarily just social. I'm going to put it on as an actual network on a streaming service, or do mm -hmm. they just use the streaming services of the social apps that we already use? I think you have to understand what your plan is with your visibility. What is your visibility plan? So I love the streaming platform option because you get greater visibility. And then also, that's more eyeballs on your content. There's more eyeballs on your services, your product. So it's looking at, okay, what is the benefit of me being on the streaming platform? And can I keep up with the demand? That is very big. You know, I remember one time telling um, an entrepreneur one time, an author, and she's just like, oh, my book is amazing. It should be a part of Oprah's book club. And one of the things I told her, I said, you're not ready for that. And she was offended. I said, here's why. Do you have a warehouse that you know if you put this book right now in the arms and hands of Oprah and she says this book and holds it up, do you have a warehouse? Do you have a team that can ship these books out to people? Are you going to run out of books? What's the demand and the capacity that you have? So we have to look at those things to see, are we ready for that? Do you have a team? And do you have a plan to support that production-wise so that way you're able to keep up with the flow of producing content for that? I think what's a good practice is, you know, looking at your, I tell people all the time this, that live video is really a great practice for a lot of things. Presentation skills, TED Talks, keynote speak. If you want to learn how to 
pitch and, and present yourself for the media, this is a good space for that. But it's also a good space to look at if I'm doing a weekly show or a daily show, then I have a little bit more capacity and I can flip this and now present this if I was to be in this kind of space because I've already been doing it. I will never forget there was a time at my last TV station, my last news director did not like me. I'm just going to go on record. She did not like me for whatever reason. I feel I'm so likable, but she didn't like me. And we had a breaking news situation happening and there was really no one else in the building. And we had to continue because there was a major uh, interstate in our city was shut down. And the main anchors weren't there and I was there and I was local and I knew about this place. So she said, you know, we're going to put you on Facebook live and just talk to people because everybody's stuck in traffic and they're on their phone. See, trying to hear what is going on. They're not in front of their TV. You see that they're on their phone because they're stuck in traffic for hours. And so I'm going live and I'm ad-libbing and all this stuff. And she turns to my friend who told me this later and says, do you think Rashonda can go on for more than an hour? talking about this? Are we in trouble? Is she going to like, because I'm just ad-libbing. There's no script. And my friend says, you don't know who she is. She has a show on Facebook. She's prepared for this. And in that moment, I said to myself, after my friend told me this, I said, you're right. Live video, I mean, TV trained me, but live video made me. And I learned the art of ad-libbing. I've learned how to get off script, but still stay off script because of live video. So do not take these, quote, small beginnings for granted because it's really, really leading to something bigger. I mean, I did my first TV interview and these people, well, not my first, my first commercial. And they told me, my gosh, you're amazing. There's no way this is your first commercial. But what I remember is I used to write many commercials at my TV job to talk about our morning show the next day. See, I want everybody to understand nothing is wasted, ladies and gentlemen. Absolutely nothing. So you take everything that you're doing because it's preparing you for now, but also for your next. That is a great way to end this episode of Sweet Bites with Sandra, the podcast. And thank you so much for joining me. You are amazing. You're amazing, my friend. This is so much fun. And I hope we do it again. Next time you're going to be on my platform, okay? Yes, yes. You have to let me know. I will be there and I'll, you know, wear earrings next time or something. <laughs> <laughs> Follow The Rose Show on TikTok. Is it at yes. The Rose Show? At The Rose Show Live. At The Rose Show Live on TikTok. Yes. And we'll see you on the next one. Thank you. Thanks. If you would like to sponsor an episode of Sweet Bites with Sandra, make sure to send an email to info at sandracoltamedici.com. Include in the subject line, be a sponsor.